0: All right, we're ticking over. We're here on the Dave Thompson Show and, oh my gosh, Lunaria Gaia. Welcome. Great to see you. Thank
1: you. Uh,
0: Guys, I've known Lunaria Gaia for over a decade now. A decade? (laughs) Yep. This lady is absolutely extraordinary. Author of Perfectly Imperfect. I've got it here. You know what? I had to, people have just been raiding this from my house this is like an early proof copy before it even launched I had to actually go to my back room and be like where is this book because the copies just keep disappearing um so many things I can say so many things I can say about Lunaria Gaia and today uh for all the listeners what I really want uh this what this show's really about and what we're really here to do is I'm a big believer that Uh, We want to present the world with examples of people who are living outrageously, who are having success and living a life on their terms, because outrageous is different for everyone. And I think you've lived a very outrageous life, Luna Guy. There's so many things you've done that I'm so curious about. You've obviously got your own successful business that's completely on your terms. Um, You know, roller derby, you've been a surrogate, like... So many things that I really want to get into. Um, what you're known for is self love and body image, right? Is that what you'd say you're, you're, you're known for?
2: I would think so, yeah. From a social media perspective and, and what my business is about, is people, confident self love, body image is what people would come to me for, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. And like, this is a very interesting topic for me because I don't know if I've shared this with you, but growing up as a kid, um, I, was mm. I, I was very fat.
1: I was
2: very fat. Through the through the publishing process, through through the times you yeah. know, when you were reading my book and stuff, there was lots of layovers of you're like, Oh, I can really relate to this story.
0: Yeah, I so I I was I was a fat kid and even when I became a teenager and really got into fitness and lost all the weight, I still thought I was a fat kid. Wow. like the internal image of, of myself, I still I, I still like even though I was very athletic, I still thought I was fat. Like, yeah. is that at, at the time I sort of identified that as body dysmorphia a little bit? Is that? Mm. I, I guess I'm I'm curious on your perspective as an expert in this field. Like, um, like is that something common? Like people change, but then the internal is still the same.
2: Yeah. Look, I. I... Dave, I can completely relate because even in my own journey, and if you read my book or follow my content, you'll see that I lost and put on 25 kilos five times. I was also the fat girl. I had lots of experiences that led me to eating disorders of trying to get away from that identity. And even when I've been in smaller bodies, to which I am now at the moment as well, moving towards more of my health and my fitness, the identity still plays plays a part and I think that the the greatest example of that Dave would be when when someone who has never had money all of a sudden comes across it, Mm -hmm. and the the values alignment if you haven't yet cleared the fact that you identify as a poor person or you identify someone who doesn't deserve this or isn't used to abundance then then being in abundance suddenly will actually cause a lot of people that I think they say something that within seven years of people winning the lottery most people have lost it because of that very reason, you don't have the identity yet. Is that one of the key
0: pieces? Do you, do you see for people that want consistent change in their, in their body shape? Like was when you said you went up and down a few times, mm. yeah, were you still grappling with how to get that identity locked in as like, I actually am this new person now? Or?
2: Mm. Interesting. I would say that that's more current, to be frank right i would say that's probably i I don't think i ever did the identity work in the past. right yeah so i was on diets in the past and that was just i i want to move away from the pain of being the fat girl i want to move away from not fitting into society or clothes for that matter i was in deep pain wanting to like i was chasing enoughness Mm -hmm. and so when when it happens from a space of chasing enoughness there's nothing healthy about it Mm. at all i may have looked differently and people may have perceived me as being healthier, but I certainly was not. So the identity hadn't shifted at all. And so it hasn't been until deepening into the self-love, working through the identity constructs, what what has held me back and what identity am I still attached to that I think that that's where the real, like, that's where the rubber hits the road, that eventually the identity shifted. Even with you, Dave, what I'm hearing is that you, your identity around being a fitness person, mm was still there as the, the fat kid, the fat mm. kid was still there, but, but the identity of fitness was stronger than the identity of fat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That came mm. through for sure. And I think the whole journey for me was also based on finding a, finding my own self-image rather mm. than the self-image of what was broadcast to me by magazines, by yes. media. Like, you know, I grew up in the era, I think you know, we're of similar eras where it was, it was the washboard apps. Like the six pack was like the thing, right. And how much pain I think that is, that caused me in searching for that. Um, I don't think I've ever quite had a six pack. It's almost this illusionary concept that I've, I've tried so hard to get to. Like, I don't know. Like, is it, is a six pack a worthy goal? Do you think I was chasing the, the illusionary, I
2: guess this comes back
0: to what success means for the individual.
2: Yeah, and it's an interesting one too when it comes to washboard abs. I heard Stephen Bartlett talking about this with James Smith on, on his podcast, The Diary of the CEO, mm. and how the chasing of the washboard abs, the six-pack, right, a, a lot of fitness professionals, the real ones, the ones that I would associate with, right, the ones that are no fluff apart from this kind of one.
0: Though, though, fabulous fluff the best that's the best <laughs> oh, type of fluff
2: in my clothing um, <laughs> that 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 a six-pack generally like it it requires it's it happens with food right you just have to have really low body fat in order for the abs to come out everyone's got a six-pack it's just has more you have more fat on your on your abdomen or not and what happens when you get there? So I always say it's not what we do, it's why we do it because if, if we think that we're going to feel a certain way, which is exactly what I used to do all the time, when I get thin, I'll be happy, I'll be confident. When I get the money, when I get the job, when I get the business, when I get the abs, in your case, when I get that, I'll, I'll feel a certain way. And that's where it becomes problematic. Because we get there or we get close to there, we don't feel the way that we thought we were going to feel. And so we then have to chase the next thing. Oh, well, it's because it's because I don't have the V, you know, the He-Man V, mm-hmm. that kind of... Okay, it's because my, my biceps aren't big enough. It's because whatever. Insert another insecurity here that is endless and you will just stay on that path. So it's not to say that it's... It, if it's a goal that lights you up because you're like, you know what, I've always wanted to have that photo shoot where I can get the lighting and they and you know I, I I'm really ripped and I have this fitness model kind of moment. Understand that it's a moment, rather than something that like for abs, that's not something that is particularly sustainable for most people,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and something that is not going to make you feel any different about yourself apart from momentarily.
1: So it's, it's like
0: it, it, it's like chicken and broccoli permanently, isn't it? And right. it's like, how many people want that life of chicken and broccoli? And like, if you're someone who's just loves routine and it's just set and forget, you can do the same thing every single day, then maybe that works for you. But if you're someone yeah. that likes variety, then, you know, I mean, I can't eat chicken and broccoli every day. Like <laughs> I just love food too much. I love the variety. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a sensual, it's a. It's, it's it's an erotic sometimes experience yes, eating pleasure. food like food pl- food is a pleasurable experience for me
1: yes.
0: and so what i'm sort of coming to with with myself now um at the ripe old age of uh 36 yes soon to be 37 okay. um is that really it's about how i feel in my body do i feel healthy do i feel energized? Do I feel good? Do I feel, do I like how that food makes me feel? Do I like how that exercise makes me feel? Mm -hmm. Is it supporting my energy requirements? And if yes, then rock and roll. And if no, then okay, let's tweak something.
1: Yeah. I think
2: you'll find that a lot of people scratching the surface of even bodybuilding, you scratch the surface very, very lightly, and you will find a whole bunch of disordered eating. A whole bunch of eating disorders in the fitness industry. It happens a lot, particularly for trainers, because they, there is this pressure to look a certain way. And it's like, oh, well, if you don't have abs, why would I even bother? And it's like.
0: I can feel that. As soon as you mention that, I can notice that awareness. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And, and And like.
2: you You said, you said about, you said, you know, like I know that you, you know, you, you run. Like I feel like you're this crazy, like you uh, You know, if if no one knows Dave's story from that perspective, you know that the, you know, ultra marathons and mm. really outrageous things, as far as far mm. as I'm concerned, if you did that purely for the moment where you crossed the line, if that's the only mm. part that you got value out of, you would never do it no. because there, it it requires too much work. It requires way too much of you i would imagine mm. i can only imagine um mm. it's far too demanding for the moment where you get to take the selfie
0: mm-hmm. it it absolutely is it's got to i whenever i do them i layer in meanings so yeah always got to travel for them because i love travel so i get to go to a new location
1: sure. it's got to yeah. be
0: in in the outback in the bush in so su- in some sort of setting that is really Like, it's like, hey, do you want to spend 10 hours in the bush? I'm like, I want to make sure it's a nice bush. Yes. Yes. So I'm layering in the meanings and like I'm thinking about the meal that I'm going to have at the end of it and thinking about the massage. Like, it's a whole experience.
2: And it's who you become. It's the experience. It's knowing that you can overcome. So, if coming back to your question, if, if getting the abs. On the process of getting the abs in that moment, again, the abs is going to be momentary. momentary. Mm. If getting the abs, the person that you become in the process is someone that you love and adore, then rock on. Mm. Like, to me, I'm all about what works? Mm. Does it, as you said before about the food choice and stuff, does this choice lead me closer to joy, to happiness, to peace? Does it lead me close to that or am I doing it so that I can – Show, not even show off, but get the accolade. Am I chasing enoughness or am I doing it because what a cool experience to have? And I love who I've become in the process.
0: Beautiful. Hmm.
2: It's, it, sounds like
0: you're, it sounds like you're almost a, uh, when, when, when you work with people or when you speak to them, you're almost the, a hunter of their insecurities. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, where are they? Give them to me. I will find yes. them. We yes. will transform them into love. We will. Is, is that we, is that fair?
2: Oh, I love that. I I call myself a pattern hunter. Um I'm looking for the pattern, right? I'm looking for the pattern of what like you want to get over here. I know you're here, and there's a pattern that you're running in between there that is stopping that. So I often call myself a pattern hunter. But I reckon you're dead right. I reckon like like a, a insecurity bloodhound. Like a, yes, I love that. Like I can sniff it out. And the thing is is that one of one of my I suppose quotes that I say all the time to my clients in my in my speaking everywhere is all of you is welcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't believe we live in a world where that is very often true. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm there with a client, like I'm even talking first session and and I'm there and they they almost want to hold back those parts because the whole world tells us to hold back those parts. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see your insecurity. We don't want to see your shame, your pain, your grief, your anger. We don't want to see the parts of you that the world has rejected and therefore we have rejected. Whereas I'm like, come to mama. Like, you're right. I'm, I, I'm coming in because I want – I know that that's, that's the part that needs the most love because I feel like everyone can love themselves when we're on fire. Like, it's super easy to be like – I'm in my lane, I'm doing great, I'm in flow, that's easy. But, man, can you love your shame? If you can do that, I, I just think you're unstoppable. Interesting, mm. interesting,
0: interesting. Great
2: insight. <laughs> the,
0: the, the, we're going to clip that out. That's going to be a, uh, a viral piece right there, the insecurity hunter, Lunaria Gaia. Thank you. Um, I'd love to ask, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you acted as a surrogate. Yeah. Because that's pretty outrageous in, in my mind. I, I don't know a lot of people that have done that. I think I actually don't know anyone in my network yeah. that has done that. So Anyone
2: else.
0: <laughs> any, anyone else besides, besides yourself. So yeah. I guess first curiosity is, was that an easy thing to say yes to in the beginning?
2: Yeah, I, it's, really, it's really interesting. I actually do really love talking about it because... My experience of it was so, for one of a better term, clean. It was really clean and easy. I, it's mm-hmm. not that I didn't consider it. It's, it's not that I, I. It was a quick decision. Mm. Um, but it felt entirely congruent for me. Mm. So there was, there wasn't. Yes, there wasn't any incongruencies. So it felt so aligned with me. It felt so aligned. The timing was right. Everything felt so. Again, congruent and aligned, so the decision, yes, was easy,
1: mm. which is mm. odd.
2: I think that that would be odd f- for a lot of people <laughs>
1: to mm.
2: think that it was easy for me.
0: Well, I think this 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 is what I'm dialing into from what you're saying is that it is it is outrageous to have a level of self love like what you're talking about. It is it is outrageous for uh, for most people to consider that something as as grand as an as surrogacy can happen with such ease and alignment.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, did you, was there anything you learned about self-love during the process of surrogacy? Like, did you get any upgrades yourself? Did you have any additional understandings?
2: It's such a funny question because I feel like my whole life is opportunity for upgrade. Like, like, Mm -hmm. like the car that a car will drive past and I'll be like, Oh yeah. And I'll get an insight. So, so it's actually, uh, yes. And uh, it's, it, it was an interesting thing for me because the answer is yes, of course. I can't mm. even think of anything specific. I, I actually, probably the biggest thing would be there from a self-love perspective was that I put on 18 kilos during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm a type one diabetic. So, right. it, so the risk was quite large mm-hmm. in, in terms of I was in the high risk ward and I was the highest risk of the high risks. Mm-hmm. Now, Nothing happened, everything was everything was grand, but my my job to control my sugar levels the way that was required was a really, really hard thing to do. And I end up firing my diabetes doctor, endocrinologist. I end up firing her six weeks before delivery. Wow. And that lesson in self love of like, hang on a second, I I I push back on her a lot because I'm like, I know my body. I know Mm. like I you're reading something that's not true for me and you need to respect that. I, I'm very well educated with my condition. I'm very well experienced in my condition and I know my body. And so to have that kind of medical autonomy
1: Mm -hmm.
2: to speak my mind on many, many occasions and then eventually fire. She's known to be one of the best endocrinologists in the country. Wow. And I wholeheartedly disagreed with her on many occasions. Um, so that was a huge lesson in self love. Then to be the heaviest I've ever been, by far, mm. by by far. I think at, at most probably prior to that I was maybe heathrow injection being in England for a couple of years. I was maybe one oh seven, but mm. I was one eighteen when I when I had Bubba. Mm. Um, and so take him away, I'm one fifteen. Like like mm. that's it was significant for me of, of being. As large as I was, um, and then and then being on the cover of my book, the photo that you just showed—yes, yes—that's um, three months postpartum. So you yeah, know that that's a, that's outrageous.
1: Like okay, that's outrageous. That's <laughs> so good.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I was very. It was very important to me that I. I suppose that self-love of going, you can. It's so possible, relevant of your size and shape. You can fall in love with yourself, and and that's me cruising around like happy as a pig in poo, you know, like in the biggest body I've ever had. Mm. And I think that if you look at that from a self-love perspective and what I teach is that it, it's what you look like and the body that you're in and your circumstances are irrelevant.
0: Because the body goes through cycles. You go through seasons in life. You go through mm. seasons where you don't sleep because your kids waking up, you go through seasons where, you know, there's different things going on and mm.
1: Mm.
0: body goes up, body goes down, body's a changing organism.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one thing I really want to emphasize there is, is how you stood up for your own medical autonomy and mm. bod- bodily autonomy. Cause I think that that has definitely been something that has been in the news of recent years. Um, and something I really want to highlight is like, ladies and gentlemen, here's a classic example of someone who's just gone, you know what? I know my body mm. and I know what I need. Because the doctors don't always know.
1: Yeah, it's a really curious thing. You know, if, if we you know,
2: say that I'm an insecurity hunter, I'm also someone who very much likes data. I think I'm, I, I, you know, mm. information allows me to make decisions about myself and, mm. and about the decision that I make and I'm very rarely these days attached to any position so like if if she came along and gave me a position that that wasn't what I had previously experienced I will consider it like mm. I, and and I don't mean I'm just like oh I'll, I'll think about it no mm. I will consider it I'm very mm. thoughtful and very deliberate what is she saying and, and then I will go and seek my own Research is probably not the most accurate word, but I will go seek different, different viewpoints so that I can establish what mine is. Not because I'm going to go with you or go with you. I I want to pull all that data in, see where it is with me. And I think that that's that is that you know doctors making assumptions about me because really I'm just in a system. I appreciate that I'm there just in a system, and and you don't know me every day. You know, yeah. uh, one of the the obstetricians basically telling me that i'm going to kill this baby um because of how irresponsible i am and
1: that's and I, full, I, on.
2: Uh, full on full on and you know and it's it, the responsibility of growing another person's human like I, I i never took that lightly by any stretch of the imagination it was like it was my full-time job as far as i was concerned to make sure that my body was as optimal as it possibly could be to raise this, to, the, to get this person to birth. To get, to get D- did you to. work
0: during the pregnancy or did, like, did you, did you dial things back or?
2: Oh, well, I wrote the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> not an insignificant book either.
2: <laughs> I'm not, I'm not entirely. I didn't write write the book entirely, um, but no, I, I, I was, I was very blessed. I was saying this just yesterday. I, I was up there visiting them. Actually. I, I saw a little Bubba this morning and, and I was, so I was a very privileged pregnant person. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very well aware of that. You know, I was very well taken care of and, and I didn't, I, I worked as, as insofar as I needed and wanted to. So I was still present on social media. I was still making content. Mm. There was no pressure for me to have to like mm. hustle and get clients, but I was still doing things as I wanted to. So mm. I was pretty sick the first trimester, so I did not much but eat potato chips and lie on the couch, hence probably the 18 kilos. Um, but you know what necessary and enjoyed it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it.
0: I've got one more question on the surrogacy. And then I'd love to talk about, um, your, your business and how you've designed that. Cause I, I see some of your, I really, I really love a, a lot of the stuff you say about business when you do post about that online, but just to round things out with that surrogacy conversation. Was, was it difficult to give birth and then hand over the baby?
2: Yeah, and and uh, as soon as you started asking that question, I knew how you were going to language it. Right. And because because most people language it exactly like you did.
0: Right. Interesting.
2: Yeah, and and language creates our reality, right? So the way that we language things changes the way I, we th- there was
0: a there was a presupposition of hard in there.
2: Well, there's also a presupposition of giving over or handing over. Yes. There, yes. There was a presupposition of like people be like, "How do you?" A- give up
1: there was a lot of presuppositions me. in that. There a
2: lot of presupposition in that. And, and I, you know, I was like, yes, because I know I've been asked that so many times. And from the get-go, it, I mean, yes, we always knew that maybe, maybe when we got to the crunch that that might be very difficult for me. We, we couldn't know. It was completely unknown. We, can't, we couldn't have known at that time how I would feel about it once he's on the other side. The whole time I felt very, very clean that, that like, he was my housemate. It, the little dude that's hanging out with me that I'm looking after until he gets to meet his folks. That, that, like I was babysitting just inside of me. There was all, Like the language and the, the psychology of it was so clean for me that there was never going to be a give up moment or a handover moment. And we were very deliberate with the way that we did the birth as well. It was really, really important for all of us that, that with the most love that I continued to be the vessel, that I was, mm. I was a beautiful conduit. I was the, the, the keeper of him until such time as he could meet his parents. So, you know, he went straight to his papa from my body. He went straight to his papa and did skin on skin with his papa. And, and it was, I was very deliberate in the sense of, I knew my boundaries very much. So I was never going to breastfeed that child. I feel like I knew deep within myself as a woman that if I now fed this life on the outside, then that might be a bond that I may not be able to disengage from. So I very purposely, we all very purposely made all those decisions of like, this is how it's going to happen. We don't know how I'm going to feel still. Um, so, no, to answer your question, it was not difficult. In fact, the moment when when the boys met their son is and remains to be a moment in my life that I will never forget. like wow. it, it, You know, like the, the joy of that when they meet. Wow. You know, Dave, you, you've. Just your, your bubba came not long Mm. after mine, actually. I think Mm. like, Mm. I think that we were kind of pregnant at the same ish time. I think, is that right? Yep. Yep. Ish within a year. Yeah. Within a year, that kind of vibe. So, you know, the first time you held your son, Mm. pretty remarkable. And I suppose when you're two gay dudes who never think that they're going to be able to have that experience Mm. and then they get to, and it's biologically both of their child. Mm. So it it was not biologically mine at all. So to have that experience for them and and to give that gift, and then watch the grandparents come around and they have now another child and 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 the and the sisters and the brothers in the the family that I got to create is just exquisite and That's- plus I just then got to get doted on and everyone brought me flowers and everyone told me how amazing I was and and I got to just chill out and not raise a baby, which is really handy for me. I went to sleep. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh it sounds it sounds like there was a lot of love around every step of the process and and I think that's that's really what I'm taking from this conversation so far is that if uh, if we can turn our fears into love we can solve a lot of problems
2: absolutely and
0: make things flow
2: yeah
0: interesting interesting so I want to talk about business with you sure because I feel like We haven't had an opportunity to actually go deep on this or sort Mm. of understand what I really want to understand is your viewpoint on business, particularly in sort of the space that we operate in, like the expert space, because I think, again, a bit like the six-pack abs, there's a lot of ideas that are out there that are marketed about business Mm. um, that are not for everyone. No. For example, you know, all these people running around trying to be entrepreneurs and creating the next Facebook, like at that level, or even trying to follow what I saw someone refer to the other day as the seven figure bros.
2: Oh yeah, right. Who are like, scale, 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 scale,
0: you know? So... I feel like and this is my and you can correct me if I'm wrong here and fill in some pieces my observation of how you operate and run your business is you do it in a very sustainable way
1: mm. in a
0: in a way that it grows and thrives in a very healthy way that respects you that respects your clients um I I don't observe you to be one of those people that's like uh, pouring gas on the fire just to get a bigger flame. But it's like, we got 30 minutes of extra flame and then there's nothing because the nothing. petrol ran out. Mm. So uh, I'm wondering if you could sort of pick up from where, what I've just started there and maybe share a bit about your philosophy and approach to business. Cause I think cool. that could be really useful for people who are wanting to live an outrageous life and who know yeah. that they want to have business as a vehicle mm-hmm. for their own freedom and sovereignty and growth. But they're looking at like, you know, the seven-figure bros and they're like, I'm not sure I want to do it that way.
2: That way. Yeah. I mean, thank you for your observations. That's that's a – I mean, I, I, I take the compliment wholeheartedly. I think that, mm. that thank you for seeing that in me. And, I, yeah, I think the first thing that I will tap into with that is that I don't associate with myself with being an entrepreneur. Right. I don't think, I don't think I'm an entrepreneur at all.
0: Interesting. So that identity, you just don't even refer –
2: I, no, because I feel like, I think that I, it was a beautiful distinction by Tony Robbins, that there, that there are three people who go into business. There's the entrepreneur, uh-huh. there is the manager, and there is the artist. Mm-hmm. And the cleaner that you can get with which one of those you are, the more successful you're likely to be. Because mm. what I really understand is that, is that I'm an artist. Yes. At I... an I'm a, I'm a content creator. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm an artist. And if I keep associating with entrepreneurs, so the way he defined entrepreneur is somebody who loves business. I don't. I'm not I, I don't I don't care for business, if that makes sense. I'm not wanting to start businesses to make them successful to sell them. That's not that's what an entrepreneur does. They love the they love the push of starting something new, building it up, or buying something, you know, acquiring a business and flipping it effectively, making it super successful. You know, someone like Stephen Bartlett, who's got hundreds of companies. Probably more likely to be entrepreneurial because they love enterprise. Mm-hmm. And am I a manager? Do I like doing the nitty gritty and organizing? The reality is, if I didn't have to <laughs> do the back end, if I could just rock up and do what I'm doing here now, Dave, mm-hmm. happy, like happy as Larry. Mm-hmm. And so, realizing that I'm not an entrepreneur and realizing that even though I'm managerial and entrepreneurial, I'm not those things. I'm, I'm an artist. And so I think that a lot of people listening at home, a lot of people who do want to live outrageously are artists at heart. I think that maybe, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not speaking to yourself, but I think that you are, you're an artist. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure.
2: And so I think that that distinction is really important, that the seven-figure bros, from that perspective, could very well be entrepreneurs. And let's stop chasing that. If it's not you. It doesn't mean that you can't have a business. You're going to have to learn some stuff about business. You're going to have to do some stuff that you don't want to do. But for me, there's no job that exists that some that someone that I can go get hired for to do what I do. And my message is mine uniquely, so it has to come from me. It has to be the thing that I create. And again, listen to my language there. I'm creating it. I'm the creator, <laughs> right? So I, I think that
1: my philosophy around my business is that is that it's a calling for me Mm -hmm. business isn't a calling the message is a calling for me
2: and you you said it beautifully business is the vehicle for me to get my message out there for what I want to share in the world business is the vehicle rather than it being the destination like a lot of people might make it that again when I get to this number I have to in coaching world like you know, have you cracked your hundred k yet? Have you, you know, are you at seven figures? All that language around the push and the hustle and, and and the drive. But if you're not, if you're not enjoying your life, um, I I don't particularly see the point, and I think that that will. Very realistically, I'm very well aware that I could go hard faster, and I would get more financial success, and maybe a broader audience faster. I'm not willing to sacrifice. I'm not willing to not sleep. You know, I hear that, you know, you could sleep, you could not sleep for a year, sacrifice yourself for a year. I'm just not prepared to do it, Dave. I'm I'm gone. I'm hiking a mountain on Friday with friends of mine because, because that's when we're free. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. I I got back from Byron Bay today because it's Monday and it's not that I'm doing that all the time. I know when to accelerate. Mm. I, I think that probably the artist would find the hardest thing that I feel like I've, being able to cultivate extremely well in my life is that I'm very disciplined. Yes. And I'm self-led.
0: So how does that, how does that, how do you do that discipline? Because creators, what I've observed is that creators struggle. They've got so many ideas. They want to do so many things. They want to do this Mm. and that and this and that. The shiny object can take them off track and segue them. How, how do you do discipline? What's the recipe Mm. for that? Is it self-love? Is self love so one of those ingredients for discipline?
2: I think that <laughs> I'm laughing at my own head because I'm like, I'm like, I think self love is everything. Like, I actually think that that everything improves and is better. That at the source of it is to know and love oneself, and I think that to know and love oneself will always take you closer to your highest consciousness. That's and therefore your decisions will be different. So, it, yes, self love is one of those things because a loving act is not just to give myself free reign to do whatever the hell I want whenever I want. That's not loving. It doesn't, it's chaos for me. It, it, if I was to put it in masculine feminine terms, not from a man-woman term for your, for your audience here, but in masculine being structure, masculine being our, um, our boundaries, discipline, and then creative and light being the feminine there, they have to come together so I've really very learned I've learned to trust both of those parts of me and I structure free time I structure creativity so I'm like cool so I I need to do my admin at this time maybe between these hours and then on Thursday go nuts do what you got to do like like you're you've got open space now so I think that creating structure um to create giving myself space to create, to open so that I'm in different modes on different days or different times of day so that I can do both.
0: I I definitely hear that. I mean, we've experienced Mm. that and seen it hundreds of times with our book writers who come to the book writing intensive. That is Mm. a week of structure. Check in at this time, check in at this time, and then they flow in between. And one of the really curious things that I've seen has happened for people that ties in exactly with what you've said is that we get a lot of creators come write books with us. Um, When they write the book, they make sales in their business. Correct. Because they're doing their creator thing. They're in their natural flow. They're in their natural essence that Mm -hmm. gets broadcast out. And it's like, the, the, the seven figure bros going, but, oh, but where's their marketing strategy and where's the copy? And it's like, no, 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 that person's just doing what they're meant to do. And that's why stuff's working for them.
2: It's magnetized. You've, it's, you've it's, it's, it's
0: like, it's like, there's no, almost no, the, the marketing strategy is be yourself, be the creator, create what's coming through you and just yep. continue to follow that and do that. And mm-hmm. stuff works out. Like, obviously you've got to have, you know, some sort of pricing and packaging and, you know, some, some basics in place, yeah. but I've seen it time and time again. And it's the same for me. Um, I just need to be creatively happy and stuff works.
1: Yes. And 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 if I'm
0: not, it
2: doesn't. It doesn't work because now I'm pushing. Now I have to force it. Now I'm, now I'm like, gotta get, gotta get, gotta get, gotta get the energy. The the, the frequency of that is, is comes from lack. It's that chasing enoughness. If we come back to Mm -hmm. the ads again. It's chase, 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 rather than get in the river and let it flow. Mm-hmm. Now, you still might need a boat, and you still need to understand where you need to dock and go get food. The, it, it, it is the hippie woo-woo that I see, that I love. Like, it's always just love and light. It, if we deny the shadow, we're missing half our body. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where that we have come back to the insecurity hunting again, that, that we lose so much of our power by ignoring parts of us and i think mm. that ignoring the fact that we need some structure routine discipline the word that comes to mind in that if i was to give a very practical mm. nugget mm. consistency is more important than quantity mm. for your own for your own mm. momentum like like i find that showing up in small amounts in any areas of my life i've been teaching myself piano for for four years i've been learning spanish for three mm-hmm. Every day I've got like an 1100 day streak on Duolingo. Like, wow. Yeah. Like talk about outrageous, right? It's pretty insane. That's great. And the, and the baby is two and a bit. So it was even on the day that I delivered, I know that sounds outrageous because that's what we're talking about. But on the day that I delivered the baby, I I did my Spanish and my piano because there was a piano in the, um, in the, (laughs) in the atrium of the hospital. I digress consistency is the most important thing like it's mm. when it comes to discipline because not only are you building momentum from the day or the week before I prefer daily not only are you building men- momentum from the day before but you're building self-trust
0: yeah that's the big it's, one isn't it
2: it's a big one you're, you're showing up for yourself so then you know that you can and you'll get results but it, the time's going to pass anyway <laughs> like I
0: I hear you. I hear you. I, You know, on on my notes for this session, uh, for this interview, I, I, I wanted to ask the question, um, what's the biggest lie going around business and personal development circles these days? And I think we're touching on it of like, you know, you don't have to push a business to somewhere that you don't want it to push. You don't want to push
1: mm-hmm.
0: it. Um, and, <sighs> I mean, are there any other big lies that you see floating around that you're like... That is a lie.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that everything has a cost.
0: interesting. Tell me more.
2: Yeah, the, I, I think there's this idea that you know, be your own boss or, or, or do that doesn't have a cost mm-hmm. because it absolutely does. and I think that everything in life you get to decide and you might we, we often don't know what the price is before we mm-hmm. before we get on the ride. you know. But when you start to know the cost, when you start to understand the price, and I'm I'm not saying the cost in terms of like draining water, it's just that everything has a price.
1: Mm.
2: And so, so there are there are choices that are then made. Do you are you willing to pay that price? Like if Mm. you want the washboard abs, are you willing to eat chocolate, chicken, and broccoli, Mm. and and not eat carbs for for every month of your life in order to get that? That's the price.
0: And forego the sticky date pudding and
2: correct, etc. It's, I, I think that, that I think that if I'm going to land on it is that it's okay to make either of those choices. The sticky date pudding is just as valuable as the washboard apps. Mm. It's just as joyful. It's true, it's being able to understand what choices that you're making and that the level of I mean I have a small team, offshore small team, I have to make every damn decision.
1: Mm.
2: Like every like the decision fatigue is real. And the fact that I'm isolated, I work alone, I, I love my own company. I don't have people bouncing off regularly. It's not something, you know, I, I, I'm the boss, I'm the manager. She's a great boss. I love her dearly. She's awesome. And also she has to, you, I have to be accountable to me. And that's hard. And I just want to be honest with that, that I think that one of the lies is that it's the, it's the fantasy of like, if you do this, everything is easy. Now, I think it can be easeful being in flow. But just like having a job, working for someone else, (laughs) right, which I've done plenty of times in my life, there's a cost to that. You you, you don't have to worry about where your money's coming from when you're employed. But you have to be there at 9 o'clock when the boss tells you to be, which I don't now have to be. But I might not have certainty of income every time. Do you know what I mean? I don't have certainty of... A bunch of things. So I think that the thing in business and to live outrageously, if I would too, Dave, I think to live a really outrageous life requires you to be very comfortable with uncertainty. Hundred percent. And if you're not great with that yet, or you can learn by the way, but if, if the level of uncertainty that is required to, to be in business, if you just know that your nervous system can't hack that, then you might just be really good being an amazing employee. And I, you can get so much freedom and joy in that. There's nothing wrong with like going and getting a good job and, and, and working with people that you love. There's, that's fabulous.
0: 100% hear you. And I yeah. think that that nervous system piece is a huge one. Like, mm. you know, um, we're often saying to people in the, the book writing process, like, go as fast as is comfortable for your nervous system. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, I think it's a big one because if, yeah. That's what tanks people. Nervous system can't take the capacity, can't take the energy, can't take what's coming in. You know, yeah. I said to you before this off-air, like one of the things we're doing in our business is growing capacity, which said it, said in another way is growing the capacity of our nervous system to be able to uh, transfer more, like process more energy, you know, more Processed energy more. coming in, more energy going out, to support people yeah. and help people. And it's, it's not something that you can – necessarily just like pour fertilizer on and light up and you know i mean you could do that but it's short term you know yeah so like
2: you said before like you know you get an extra half an hour or whatever if if you're running constantly look i know people who who can run for years and decades and 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 can get results from that because they don't sleep and and now all of Mm. a sudden we have a what's it called like a it's almost virtue signaling oh you should see how I, well, I only had two sleep last night and I'm so busy and, you know, even people project on me a lot, be like, oh, well, I know you're really busy and I don't identify as being busy at all. Like I, I'm, it's just my life. I'm, I'm doing stuff. I'm full, joyfully full, but I don't, I don't ever want to identify with busy again. I've done the rat race of sitting in traffic going here. That the only time I can talk to someone that I love is on the phone while I'm stuck on the M1. Like, I'm yeah. like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to do that anymore. And so, it, it it reaches its top. There's only so much of the go and the fire that I can do before I I crumble. I, what I heard the other day, and I adore it, because it's really pertinent to part of my into my lessons. Mm. Is rather than ask, rather than ask, have I worked enough in order to rest? Ask, have I rested enough in order to do my best work? Beautiful. And I, it just it opened me up in ways, Dave. I was just like, yes, that. Mm-hmm. Have I nurtured me enough mm-hmm. in order to go serve? Because that's what I'm here for. I've got to put my own face mask on first.
0: And so important for the creator, the artist. Yeah. I think that's critical. Like part of, part of the advice to artists who are in business should be sleep more.
2: Yes. I completely agree. How I do I make all,
0: more money in business as an artist? Go sleep.
2: sleep. Go sleep. Allow more free space. And then when you work, I think that that's also like that you have to work 14 hours a day in order to make a, a really good living. I just don't think it's true. I, And also, it depends on what you think. Like, mm. we, we actually probably don't need as much money as we think. I. And I think it's, okay I've to- always
0: found that to be true. I set my goals and I'm like, I need all the monies in the world. And then when I actually look at how much the stuff that I want costs, I'm like, it's somewhere oh. between 25 and 40% of what I thought I needed.
2: Isn't that amazing? amazing. I, I remember,
0: I remember sitting, I was sitting, we ran the Hawaii book retreat 2019, great uh-huh. venue, amazing people from all over the world came. I'm sitting Ooh. with the team. By the water on the last day, sun goes down, buffet, everyone's got drinks. It's amazing. And I'm like, wow, I thought I needed five times as much money to have an experience like this. And it was it was brilliant. So I think that's a huge, huge, huge lesson for people who are artists, who are creative, who have a business element mm-hmm. so that they can live a life of freedom and sovereignty and be in Byron Bay on a Monday and or on a Sunday and back at home on a you know, whatever whatever that life looks like. Yeah. Super huge, super huge.
2: Landing back in and then and then having the honor to be able to to roll with a podcast. You know, like, cool, I'm just gonna plan my life because because I because I can, like remember why you're doing it. Mm. Are you doing it for for massive amounts of income or fame or accolades, or are you doing it because you have a, a message to share and you're looking for freedom?
1: Mm-hmm. So if
2: it's freedom, I have to remind myself often, by the way, because the mm. narrative is like, seven-figure bros, hustle, go, fuck, you know, like, how much money are you making? You know, and I'm like, but hang on a second, am I happy? Like, that's got to be the metric. Like, if am, am I happy and content and am I, am I living my best life? And that doesn't mean as you say, like, you know, being extravagant for me at all, living my Mm. best life is do I have time and space to rest and be at ease and spend time with loved ones and and go outside without my nervous system being frantic?
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) Like that's that's pretty abundant to me if I get to do that.
0: I love it. I love it. Mm. I remember in 2019 when I was reviewing my life, I said to myself, one of the markers of success for me is that I always have money in an account so that I can buy a burger any yeah. week that I desire. Like Love. with all the trimmings, like if I want the nuggets, I'm getting the nuggets. If I want yeah. the salad with the burger, with the nuggets, with the drink, yeah. it's like, what are we talking? 50 bucks. Yeah. Like yeah. as long as I can do that every that was one of the markers. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's, that's really not a lot of money. No, no. But when it was there and when I was doing it, I'm like, yeah, successful life. Yes. Doing, doing what I Doing what is meaningful to me, Fergus, mm. Meaningful to okay. me.
2: <laughs> yes, because it speaks to freedom. That's what that's what I hear with that. Freedom David. of choice.
0: Freedom, freedom of, choice. of choice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful.
2: And I reckon at your deepest desires, our deepest desires are far less than what we think that they're going to be. Like our truest, real mm. in, in the in our harder parts. Yeah, maybe the, the Maserati and the Bugatti and, 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 the, and the Prada clothes and whatever somebody might be chasing the external measures of success. You know, like I appreciate we're both in a pretty privileged position in mm. terms of, you know, being able to afford property or whatever, mm. being in that kind of space. That If, you, if you're chasing externally, you'll never stop chasing. Mm. And so you can stop and realise that what you truly desire is less of those things and what you truly want is happiness and connection with self and love to your highest creator like that's Mm. i i I believe that deep down that's what all humans want we are in a we are in a connection deficit and we desperately want it first with ourselves and our creator and others
0: there we go Snap. Mm. snap i love that i love that Well, as we round out today, I'm going to ask this question to every guest. I really want to ask this of you too. So from my perspective, we are moving into some really unprecedented times in the world. That's my opinion. Um, I know many share that as well. What I'm curious about is over the next 10 to 20 years, So, this is really a visionary long timeline question. Are there any trends or patterns that you're seeing that are emerging in the world that will be really important for us to be aware of, you know, us, when I I say us, I mean people who want to live an outrageous life, who want to live a life of freedom and um, have that self-love for themselves. Are there any patterns we need to be aware of that you can see in order to, you know, be best in flow with what's coming in the world?
1: Yeah,
2: it's interesting. As you were asking, as you were asking me that question, I was like, emerging I, I kind of sat with, i like, as if, it's, as if it's new patterns. Mm. The Circumstances will always change. You know, we've got, we've got AIs predicted in that 10 to 20 years, if not yep. sooner, is going to be a billion times smarter than us and they will be the most intelligent being on the planet. That's going to radically change how we as humans experience the world, right? Mm. If that's, you know, it's the best minds in the world that are, you know, in that field talking about that. I'm, I'm hesitant to go anywhere near that because I just believe that if we are relying, it, it's the age old, it's not emerging, it's always been this way, if, and it will always continue to be this way, if we continue to place our power in external circumstances of governments, of, of environment, of AI or not AI, if your power is not in here, you will be unhappy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's 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 just no two ways around it. I have not found any any evidence, a scrap of evidence in my 40 young years to which I have experienced quite a hell of a lot of things. If your power is external, you will be unhappy, irrelevant of the circumstances. So I think that we are, you know, we're heavily dopamine addicted mm-hmm. as as humans and we are spending more and more time disconnected and our power is more and more outside of us. And that makes us completely, for want of a better term, controllable. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: more importantly, again, I come back to unhappy. We want to be happy. We want to be connected, but you will not get that externally. So irrelevant irrelevant of what happens in the world, irrelevant of the, irrelevant of the unfolding of this wild ride to which we all chose to be here at this time is pretty phenomenal my message continues to be come home to you and raise your consciousness.
1: Mm.
2: Every time, every, every time. Can you be, how centered can you be? How well can you know yourself? Mm. How, how, how much power can you invoke with inside of yourself that doesn't require other people or require you to have power over?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Because powerful people have been in power. I'm going to say that again. People who are in power aren't necessarily powerful.
1: Mm. They
2: have the power because they've taken the power. And the only way that they can take the power is because we must relinquish it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you don't relinquish it, then then everybody remains empowered in their own sense. It's been since the dawn of time. Like, you mm. know, Roman. Mm. You know, like like the like it Rome Ancient civilizations have had people in power and the little people think that they're not powerful, but Mm. you are. And the more that we understand that, each individual understands that, and I'm talking to your listeners right now, you are powerful. Mm. And not because you're powerful over anybody else, but because your power is within and you have infinite source of that. So come home every single time. And that's where I see into the future, in the now, from the past, the emerging trend is that more and more of us, hopefully, are recognizing how powerful we actually are to create the life that we want while being kind and considerate to everybody around us.
0: Mm. Wow.
2: Snap.
1: <laughs> Power to the
0: people.
2: Power to the people, man. It's just, it's just within you and everybody's got it. Like, everybody's got it. And you don't like, you know, happy people. Ha- happy people don't hurt people. You know, when you're empowered within yourself, you don't feel the need to go steal power from someone else. I, I don't need to bring you down, Dave, when mm. you're successful because mm. I love me and I'm good. Mm. When I see you shine, I'm like, yeah, brother, let's go. Mm. Like, rock on. I want to add fuel to that so, that so that the people around me and I, I'd want to see everybody I work with shine, you know, yeah. like, like I, I want to and, I, and we all have unique talents and gifts to give to this world. And may we bring that to the world. And that's the kind of world I want to see, kind of world I want to live in, and the kind of world that I'm creating through my existence, I guess. Wow.
0: Mm. So, so self-love is somewhat of an insulation against powers that may wish to extract value from your being, from your pocket.
2: That is sensational, Dave. You're, yeah. It <laughs> It's inoculation. Um
1: <laughs> That's
2: great! Oh
0: man, they they got they got the medical experiment wrong.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: Like, cool. I'm just gonna inoculate myself against societal conventions that tell me that I need to be or do and live my life in a way that it suits other people.
0: Mm, yeah. Wow. I
1: mean. <laughs>
0: wow. 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 Well, I think I think Luna Guy, with the help of people like yourself, spreading the message of self love. Um, at least from what I can see, more and more people are waking up and, you know, you've been an absolute trailblazer in that field, showing people the way. And from my own experience in waking up to self-love and, you know, reading your – like like I said before at the start of this episode, this is the only book that uh, I've I've had to, like, go and dig out because everyone keeps coming to my house and taking it. Yes! <laughs> so to the listeners, if if you're – in that position where you're wanting more freedom, wanting more sovereignty, wanting to live the life that you want. Gosh, I don't think you can go wrong with what Luna Gaia is saying here. Thank you. Luna Gaia, question before we round out today and tell people where they can find you. Sure. Do you prefer Luna Gaia or Lunaria Gaia?
2: Well, actually, if, 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 I, if I was to be very specific, I would say it's Lunaria Gaia.
0: Lunaria so I've been getting it wrong I... all this time
2: well, I've be, been announcing
0: off. it in such a pompous voice and getting it totally wrong that <laughs> is
2: yeah, probably a bit more pompous than Lunaria actually <laughs> L- probably um guy is perfect okay oh, look at that there's a sentence coming out of my mouth that I never thought I would say about myself
0: Luna um, <laughs> Guy is well when you do the self-love work it just
2: it just, <laughs> it just blows out of you <laughs> fabulous
0: by nature right
2: You'll find me on all the socials at Lunaria Gaia uh-huh. being being my full name. You know, like people who know me and my friends call me Luna. So, yeah. you know, like when you call me Luna Gaia, I you know, like that that's exactly what my name is. Lunaria Gaia, you'll find me on the Facebook and the Twitter and the or the X, whatever it's called these days. YouTube. I have my own podcast, so more confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. Amazing. So there you go. Like, you know, it's Luna Gaia, not Lunaria. And yeah, if you just, if you Google my full name, Lenaria Guy, you'll be able to find me on all the places.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And uh, final two questions, quick questions to round out today. Um, what is your most outrageous travel destination you've ever been to? That I've
2: ever been to? Outrageous travel destination that I've ever been to? Oh, I, I want to say like Russia. Oh, Wow. Yeah, like I, I yeah. In the, winter,
0: the, in summer?
2: No, I think it was summer. I was on over fifties. uh <laughs> I was. I was twenty <laughs> five, and I went on an over fifties cruiser around Scandinavia. As you to, do. That went to Estonia, Finland, um, and Russia. So, like, kind of up, up in that that area at the top, Norway, and all that kind of stuff as well. But I'm like, when I think about, it, I'm like, yeah, Russia. That was that's pretty, pretty outrageous. To, th- to yeah, to think of
0: that mm. is superb. That is superb, superb. Um, and final question: um, most uh, most outrageous food you have ever eaten?
2: Oh yeah, I would. Uh, I don't think I'm that outrageous with food at all. You know, I like. I, I really enjoy my hot chips. Hot chips. That's great. I, what I would say is that one of my favourite things to like I, well, as a child, there's a brand, you would know, Dave, being a Queenslander, there was a, and and anybody over a, a certain age would would know the brand Sizzler. Oh, yes. And Sizzler was a like, buffet, all you can eat. And I would go there and eat the potato skins and watermelon. And that's all I would eat. I would eat watermelon and potato skins. If at the end, I might then get the soft serve with the choc sauce and dip the potato skins in it.
0: Amazing.
2: Oh, actually, I have one. <laughs> I have one. To me, when I was a kid, we used to eat Vegemite and honey on toast, Ooh. and it is superb. Oof. And people think that it's very strange, but Vegemite and honey give it give it a whirl.
0: Amazing, so just- amazing. And again, it goes to living the life on your terms, doing you as you do you.
2: The rules are made up.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we will round out there. Luna Gaia, thank you so much for coming on the Dave Thompson Show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved your insights. They've added so much value. Um, People, go and follow Luna on all the places on the line. Go follow her now. Thank you
1: again. We'll see you soon. Thanks for having me.